0: COVID-19 hit us here in Grey Highlands right at the moment, St. Patrick's Day. We recorded this episode of In Grey Highlands this week. Like most of us around the globe, it took a little time for us to figure out the impact of the pandemic and what we might be able to do or not do as a consequence. So here is episode 10, long out of its time and sequence, and you'll notice what things seemed to be normal to us all just a few months ago and what they might come out sounding a little archaic, but forgive those missteps and admire how prescient Ron and I are. It's been a long time coming, but like all good things, we believe it's worth the wait. Enjoy it as a slice of recent history, right here in Gray Highlands. Check up on your pals. Wash your paws. Stay bug free. What is the luck of the Irish? It's Saint Patrick's Day, Paul, and
1: you're got green on. Oh. Green? Oh. And I want you to know... How you know what under, my color in my underwear was? <laughs> <laughs> and it's also to live the life of
0: Tim Riley. Who's he? He's our supervising producer. Producer. Su-
1: oh. Producer. Well, there you go. Does he drink whiskey? Irish whiskey? When I came... Listening to In Grey Highlands This Week, episode 10 Backbone
2: Agriculture.
0: So, today in Studio A, we have uh, Lori Smith, and uh, Lori is the uh, Vice President and Office Manager of Grey Agricultural Services. And, Lori, uh, I just want to start off by saying, farmers are the backbone of Ontario. So how do you help them at Grey Ag Services?
3: Well, they are the backbone and a very important group, and I must say some of the nicest people that you can work with. We have the joy of working with farmers every day as a resource center, so they know that they can call us or email us and get an answer for anything, and we also coordinate activities for them. Uh, We also create newsletters. Education is a primary mandate at Grey Ag Services, and so we have winter courses every winter. This year, we have 20 of them covering a lot of different topics for the convention, farmer, organic farmers, rural people that live in the area, and we just want to ensure that everyone can be up to date on the current topics.
0: Is there a fee to become a member and use your services? Uh,
3: no. So there's, there's fees. they for, join? Or? No. You can come to the courses. You pay for the course, yes. which yeah, is $15, okay. including right. HSD. But there's no, we don't have a membership for Gray Ag. And we help farmers in Gray County, Bruce County, and far beyond as well. Officially, we're Gray Ag Services, but everyone says we're too good just to be bottled up in Gray County. So other people use our facilities as well. So,
0: so I see one of the things on the title, there's the Gray Forage Council, is it? Or is-
3: <laughs> so the Grey Ag Services was created in the year 2000, and so at that same time, the Ontario Ministry of Agriculture, Food, and Rural Affairs was taking away the extension offices in many of the towns across Ontario, including Markdale. Ray Robertson, who is the founder of Gray Ag Services, was working in that building at the time that they were going to close it. Okay, And so he felt there was a huge need for a resource center in Gray County. Right. And without an OMAFRA building, the rural organizations would have no place to have their evening meetings either. Okay. So with the help of local organizations and Gray County, they created Gray Ag Services and gave us the opportunity to be in the basement of the Gray Gables building.
0: We call that the lower level.
3: The lower level, okay. <laughs> okay. The lower level. So we have uh, two meeting rooms as well: one right. small meeting room and one boardroom with with nighttime access. So all the rural organizations can come and use our facilities for free. And if we didn't exist, they'd probably have to pay for you know to use the library or may not be able to use any have any nighttime meetings because it's not accessible.
0: So so I see a lot of uh, a lot of activity in in your offices as I've visited them. I'm many times so uh, so these uh, most of the courses and and I just have this uh, 2020 courses here you have 20 of them so they're all mostly held Uh, in your ag center there, right?
3: We have all of them in our center except for the canning course because we don't have a full kitchen, and so that's why we go to the Kinplex for that one. So Gray Ag Services is a very busy place. The way we can keep our doors open to be a resource center five days a week is to have contracts. So our contracts are with Ontario Forage Council, Gray Bruce Farmers Week. We also have Georgian Soil and Crop Improvement Association, which is gray... And Bruce County Soil and Crops, Dufferin, North, and South Simcoe. We also do work for Alternative Land Use Services, ALICE, which Alice, is oh, yes. that's Keith okay. Reed's right. and Joni Reed's baby. We also coordinate activities for the Ontario Biomass Producers Association Okay. and Grey Bruce Farmers Week, if I haven't already mentioned that. No,
0: well, you did, but that's, we're yep. going to get uh, to that because that's really kind of, a, I think, unique. So do they provide some funding uh, as well as associations? Uh, so all those contracts
3: are an hour, like a fee per hour. And okay. and so that gets us through. And we get a grant from the county as well, which okay. is really needed. So yes, you know yes, yes. there's only four of us, so it's very much a team effort. Right. So Ray Robertson as I already mentioned, myself, Nicole Eber and Patricia Ellingwood and we all work on the different projects. Nice. Very, very nice. We we are blessed to come every day and smile all during the day because of the great people that we work with.
0: Nicole was uh, at the all candidates meeting. Uh, was uh, firing uh, questions to me, and, yes. and and Ray was our moderator yes. that night. So yeah. she has some really inter- interesting perspectives uh, yeah. on on our community. So it's it's nice that uh, that she's a part of your team there. So uh, one of the things that uh, uh, you, we I wanted to talk about was the. Some of the th- some of the courses and uh, one is uh, that was uh, starting to was number fourteen. All right.
3: So dealing with farm stress. Yes. So this is the second year we've ran this course. Right. Mental health is a huge issue amongst all the population, but especially right. amongst farmers. Right. The suicide rate amongst farmers is, is some of the highest rates versus any other occupation one of the main reasons is because so much is beyond our control. We don't have control of the weather, so you can plant all your crops, but if it's a drought or too much rain, then all of a sudden everything is lost.
0: So they're never comfortable
3: then. No. And the markets are beyond our control as well. And so, so many things we just can't, we can't control and that makes it harder. It, there's also kind of an atmosphere amongst the farming community that you just tough it out. You put your head down, you keep doing it, and you would not, they typically are not the first ones to put their hand up to say they're having issues. They're always isolated. We work, you know, they work 24 hours a day almost, uh, seven days a week. They never get off the farm. So all those things make it uh, very complicated and increases the prevalence of having mental health issues.
0: So there are babysitters actually for for farmers when they want to go away, right? There's Aren't there some farmers that- There,
3: there are, that but a lot of our that? farmers don't trust anyone except themselves, of course. right? Well, so. that
0: keeps them on, on the farm and maybe a little bit more isolated, yeah. so-
3: so twice now we've ran courses where we invite the producers to come. We have counselors in the room. We have two farmer panelists that talk three times during the day about the stresses in their lives, how they've noticed that the stress has maybe become too much, and the coping strategies. And then we break into small groups and the farmers all talk about what works for them.
0: So we all need to eat every day. So it's, you know, it's really important to that farmers uh, are are out there. So is there a sort of a demographic view of, of what farming is in, in Gray County? Is like uh, you might say there, there are cash croppers, there are cow calfers, and I've learned some of this, and and uh, uh, there's market gardeners. Your, your neighbor is uh, Amy Kitchen. Yes. So she's, she's a unique new t- kind of farmer as well. Yeah. So can you tell me a little bit about maybe the variety of farming?
3: A good way to define that is to look at the days of Grey Bruce Farmer's Week. So Grey Bruce Farmer's Week is a seven-day conference, each day focusing on a commodity in Grey and Bruce. So we have beef. So that could be your cow-calf, your backgrounder, your feedlot. We have dairy day. And so dairy day, that's pretty well standard. That's one group that it's pretty easy to plan a day for because they're not very diverse. They may have robots or not, but typically they're the same group of people.
0: But to get into dairy is... That's tough. Yeah. Yeah. And that tough in the sense of, uh, I don't know, uh, probably you need an inheritance to, to get in. That's the
3: easiest the- way. There is also a new entrance program. Is there? Yes, through Dairy Farmers of Ontario. and that has been ones? Bit, yeah, yes.
0: Okay. How does that work a little bit?
3: I don't know all the details, but right. it's a lottery. You basically apply for the new entrance program, and I don't think there's a condition of a certain age. Okay. You just throw your name in, so to speak, um, into the lottery, and if you get chosen, then you can get support for the quota okay. that you need to purchase.
0: So one of the names that I know, and I don't know him very well, and maybe we can get to know him better, is Dale Merrifield. Yes. And uh, Dale has a Holstein herd, I guess. Yes. And I'm not sure what it was up to, but at one time he had 100 Holsteins. Yeah. He's expanded his, uh, and he's got automated uh, milking. Robots. Sounds, yeah. Robots. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, you know, a, a whole new, uh, um, you might say, manure management system there. So, But dairy is uh, always uh, important, so we hope to be able to talk to Dale.
4: I'm out here on, uh, on
0: a dairy farm near
4: Eugenia with um, a man who's outstanding in his field. Although we're not in his field right now, we're in his shop. It's Dale Merrifield. Hi. Hi, Dale. How are you doing? So, um, I understand you're somewhat unique in that uh, you're not a generational farmer. This is the first uh, generation farm.
5: Yep. And uh, tell me, how did you get into it? Well, actually, I was raised on a uh, cow-calf beef operation at my parents' place, and uh, we had some neighbors that were dairy farmers, and that was how I really got interested. I used to milk their cows on the weekends and times through the week, and... uh, I always knew that if I was gonna farm that I wanted to milk cows because I had seen it from both ways where beef farmers you know, usually have to have an off-farm income in order to support the beef farm. So if I knew if I was gonna do it, this is something I wanted to do. And uh, so yeah, so I actually got my start. Um, this, this farm here was actually my grandparents' farm and uh, they milked cows years ago. There was a a little bit of the milking system left in the barn, a single three surge parlor that was put in back in the 60s. And that was the reason that I actually came down here. So Uh, how long ago was that that you bought the farm? Well, I I started here in in 1989, and that was the first fall that I put crops in to get ready uh, for 1990. And I was about three years uh, running the farm, and then I purchased it in uh, about 92.
4: So uh, I imagine that there's a serious investment involved with uh, dairy farming and uh, the automation that's required.
5: Yeah, uh, for sure. sure. you got to have an, uh, quite an understandable banker. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, and certainly family was a big plus too. So we did some research and we decided the robot was maybe the rest, best way to go. So, so that was a huge investment. How many uh, cows are we talking about? We're putting 50 cows to a robot right now. And then, uh, so a, a robot, one robot is good for 60. Oh yeah. So we have room to grow still. And uh, it's amazing the production difference in, in the robot. Because they're getting milked at least three times a day. Yeah. And they go when they, when they want. Yeah. You're not out there milking them at any certain time. They milk 24 hours a day. I would imagine that's making things a lot more efficient for you. It's a lot better. Yeah. Uh, we're fine now that instead of, you know, starting at 5 uh, in the morning and spending 4 or 5 hours in the barn in the morning and then having to stop, at five, you know, doing field work at 5 o'clock at night, Yeah. this way we just, we just when we're planting or harvesting, we just carry on. And, and uh, when we get somewhat done what we're doing, then we go to the barn because yeah. we know the cows are being milked and... And, uh, we just, we do, we have the other stuff we have to do, feed the calves and run the silos and, and do work like that. But at least the milking routine is consistent yeah. and we're not interfering with them. So, yeah. So would you,
4: uh, would you recommend this business to anybody, uh,
5: well, new? I guess you would. Your son's going to be yeah, taking over. My son is, um, it's, I mean, you really got to want to do it and, there's a lot of a lot of pressures right now from different groups um, that seem to think that farming of any kind isn't really acceptable anymore. Mm-hmm. We got animal rights groups, and we got different things like that. And it's you know we're in a different kind of a world right now, and and it's tough. It's hard you know to be doing something and have other people being critical of of what you're doing. Mm-hmm meanwhile it's been the backbone of you know communities oh. farming in general it's been the backbone and and everybody has to eat and uh, it, it, that part i find hard and and that was one of the things that kind of bothered me from you know even my son getting involved was you know where it's just going to go a few years down the road is it, you know and it, you, you know i'm i'm proud of what i do and, you know, there's negatives in everything you do. It's just, it's sometimes it's hard to shut it out, especially when you're not making a fortune doing it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a living. It's a huge investment, and it's something that you've got to be willing, you're going to be in for the long haul. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm.
4: Well, we certainly appreciate you in our community, and I'm glad
0: you're here, and I'm glad you has, took some time to talk
4: to us. Thank
5: you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Take care. Okay.
0: We're also talking a little bit about um, a young farmer that, that maybe it took up on that program uh, that's involved a, a young dairy farmer.
3: There's a, a young Maryfield boy as well that oh, has, really? uh, okay. um, I don't know whether he took up that program or not, oh, okay. um, but he is a young farmer. There, to... I guess just to go back a little bit about the rest of the farmers. So goat day. So we have goat farmers in Gray and Bruce as well. We have sheep farmers. Um, We have a day of Gray Bruce Farmers Week for horse enthusiasts. Um, We don't necessarily call them horse farmers. Um, Then we have uh, ecological day. Ecological day. So there are a lot of organic or ecologically minded farmers in Gray County. And many of them are your market gardeners like Amy Kitchen. And so... um, I think there's a big difference between the conventional farmers, the large cash crop farmers that I would attract to Crops Day, versus more of a multi-species, smaller acreage farm, which would be like an Amy Kitchen. Um,
0: How big is her farm?
3: I'm not sure. They have a quite a bit of, quite a few acres, that's right. for sure. I don't know whether it's a 50 or 100 acre farm, so it's a large farm. And they're farming intensively in certain areas under the greenhouses and small acreages of fields in comparison to the cash cropper guys. Right. Um, but man, do they work hard. Um, I think there's a when we run our courses as well as greiber's farmers week you always have to be aware of that you know dichotomy of it's such a huge span between all of the different producers in gray county so like you said you do have the large acreage cash croppers and you have the smaller acreage um, market gardeners flower growers and there is also poultry in Gray right. County as well, and um, pigs seems to be coming back. We had a pig night on Tuesday night um, for the first time, so I asked Omafra to come and do uh, a pig night. It was the right. first time they'd ever had anything to do with a small scale pig operation. Right. Usually, they're talking to commercial operators, and uh, so they were amazed that most of we had about thirty people there, and most of them had just under ten pigs. So again, it's that multi species thing. You just have a few chickens, you've got Got a few pigs, that sort of thing.
0: So they're local. If you own 10 pigs, what do you do with them other than... Freezer. Cuddle them. Hmm? Freezer. Freeze. All right. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> so That's a nice way of saying yeah. it. Yes. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> That's a... Uh, so there's there's quite a diverse uh, cross section then, uh,
3: and that's what makes it hard to be a resource right. center. So you never know what the question's going to be when the phone right. rings or when they email you. And uh, I like that challenge. Um, so
0: you live in a rural setting out there in near Walters Falls. Yep. So. Did you do any farming, or you just...
3: So I grew up on a dairy farm. Oh, did you? And that dairy farm still exists, and they have robots, and so it's a very... It's I think close to two hundred head still happening. And And where was that? So uh, between uh, Walters Falls and Chatsworth. Okay. On County Road Forty. Yeah, and then uh, my husband and I have a cow calf operation now. Do you? Yeah. uh, I think there's about 35 head and calves as well. And the calves are coming. We've got one, and so more coming soon.
0: What's the most popular course of the 20, other than maybe pressure canning? So we still and have some to go. So <laughs> yeah. we
3: have went through uh, 15 of them. So our next uh, course is Marketing and Economics of Cow-Calf Production. Oh, you can teach that, right? Well, no. no? Um, uh, we have wonderful facilitators for all our courses. Right. And because we're not-for-profit, I can't really pay facilitators, so I have to get people that are willing to do it out of the kindness of okay. their hearts. So OMAFRA, Ontario Ministry of Food and Rural and Agriculture Affairs. Right. They have been wonderful to come and uh, facilitate our courses, as right. well as local people that uh, agree to help. So for the marketing uh, of cow calf, that's OMAFRA's leading that one. Right. Then we have horse nights. So that's an example where Markdale Veterinary Services have helped us out for years to do okay. a horse night.
0: I owned a pony once.
3: Did you? Yeah. And we've had several horses. Okay. Uh, Dr. T Fox has done that one for us for years, and she is okay. very entertaining. And then uh, we we've also paired up with the Master Gardeners of Gray County, and they've done courses for us for years, which right. is lovely. Uh, part of their component is they need to teach about uh, farming or about gardening, and right. so they come and do it in our office.
0: So the Markdale uh, Ag Group or not the Markdale. Master Gardeners are they part of that group then?
3: The Mar- Markdale Horticultural Society. Yes. Some of the members are the same. Okay, yeah. all right. And so they're doing a course on March 26 about gardening and changing weather patterns, which is really interesting because they came up on that topic on their own, and right. I'd been wanting to do a farming in changing climatic conditions for years, right. And well, finally that... found someone to deliver that course. And so that's, is
0: that the that... is the truth being told in the Farmer's Almanac? Is that what that's about now?
3: That's choosing the right best management practices. <laughs> Is what we okay. did. So, um, so two of our courses were kind of weather related. Right. So that one's coming up. The gardening one on Thursday, March 26th, and then the pressure canning. Anything to do with canning has broad appeal. Yes. And so this would probably be with the sixth year that we've offered a canning course. And so we have Martha Rogers facilitating that and the fermentation course that's still to come on April 8th. So
0: what are you going to can that night?
3: So she's going to show us. It's only going to be 12 people in right. a room, and she's going to show us. Um, pressure canning. So that's meat and vegetables.
0: Oh, okay. Meat and vegetables.
3: So pressure canning is, I've never done it at all. It's, uh, I think, a bit
0: scarier. So, you, than- so are you going to pressure can, you're going to put them in jars afterwards? Yeah. So she yeah. actually
3: goes through the whole process and shows us how to do it. And so it's marvelous. Well, that's, that's yeah. interesting.
0: That's a bit different. I figured you might be making chili sauce or something. No, yeah. I, she
3: hasn't told me exactly what her, her plans are in well, terms that's of- an interesting
0: yeah. spin on that. So one of the things that's a bit of a side topic, of course, is, but um, most farmers today with small farms, are it's not sustainable. So- uh, most of them have a, a, another job, or their wife has a job, so it's always a, it's always sort of a partnership. Uh, and so the, uh, uh, I would say the provincial government has recognized that, and it's called off-farming, or let's say a secondary farm income. And there's more and more of that happening in, in Grey Highlands and, uh, and around in Grey, Ontario. So,
3: unfortunately, for many of us, the only way you can farm is to uh, have other jobs. Right. And that leads back into the mental health situation. Right. Because you're working our my husband, for example, twelve hour shifts, comes home after working twelve hours, goes to the barn, deals right. with whatever is there. Calving season starts in about two weeks. He'll be up in the middle of the night, drive to the farm, check okay. out the calves, come back, go to work for six o'clock. So it's a long day. So that that's hard, but that's the only way we can be sustainable right. is to have full time jobs a as bit well of as farming. Labor
0: of love in that too. Uh, yeah.
3: Part of it, it definitely labor of love, and part of it is it's in our genes. Yes, okay. The farm that we farm, like many of the people in Gray County, it's been in the family for generations. Okay, And so you want to keep doing it because it's been lovingly tended by your ancestors. Right. And you don't want to be the one that drops the ball.
0: you got a, a few notes there. Is there something else that you want to expand on while we're chatting? I did
3: want to say about the appeal of the courses. So yes. when I started, so I started back in 2005 at Gray Ag. So it was created in 2000. So five right. years later, I showed up. And so when I started, there were maybe three. Three winter courses happening right. every winter. And so I'm a bit of a workaholic. So now- I that. Yeah. So now <laughs> we have 20. And uh, last year we had 17 and we had over 600 people through our doors for our wow. winter courses, which is just phenomenal. I said last year that I had 17, I would never do 17 again. And this year I had 20. Okay. So uh, we, I was talking with Robert from the museum. And at that point, I had about 23 courses and then a few fell off. And so I was looking at my list. I said, that I've got twenty courses for twenty twenty, and then I paused and went, "How cool is that?" that is and it's cool. also our twentieth anniversary of Gray Ag Services, really? so the twenty number was definitely that meant was to a be great,
0: great, great. Yeah.
3: So, and we don't, we draw from all over the place; it's not just Gray County. So Gray right. and Bruce um, down into Wellington, Simcoe counties as well, some Dufferin too. So, okay. um, no, we're the only one of its kind. Gray Ag Services is in There's all no of Ontario. Other body in, There's in no, Ontario? no other us.
0: So that's a Ray Robertson special. It's
3: definitely a Ray Robertson special. Ray was very connected, still is, yes. into a lot of other organizations, and that allowed those contracts to happen fairly right. easily. We have had visitors from different places in Ontario to try and create a gray ag Services somewhere else. Right. But as unless model, you have yeah. a Ray, right. it really doesn't work. You need someone that's really connected and respected, right. and he is and was oh, that. absolutely.
0: Anyhow, you got some other things there as well.
3: Um, I did want to mention uh, Gray Bruce Farmers Week in a little more detail, right. so Please it do. is a seven-day agricultural conference. As far as I know, it's the longest number of days of duration of any conference, agricultural conference in all of Canada that I've been able to find. Um, 2021 will be the 55th year of continuous producer education, which is just outstanding. And uh, we have extremely high sponsorship support. We have a trade show on all of the days that we're in Elmwood. um, And the sponsorship support is phenomenal. Don't you
0: have a politician stay there as well? No,
3: we just have a,
0: well, because I remember visiting there one time. I we always
3: that... have politicians come. We yeah, have one of the okay. best meals in all of Gray and Bruce right. County, so we always have politicians coming to have lunch. <laughs> okay. um, so, But Gray Farmers Week is, is a phenomenal thing. We have usually over 60 speakers every year. Right. We have panels every day, which are very well received because there's nothing better than listening to fellow producers, fellow right. farmers, finding out what works on their farm, what doesn't work on their farm. So the panels are very much looked forward to. We our speakers come from the u s. Um, we had one from New Zealand once. They come from the Western Canada as well. Right. And so we I'm really pleased with how well it's uh, it's come along through the years.
0: You, your kids were involved in farming, or
3: yes. So both children did 4-H for a while, and my our daughter is consumed by agriculture and uh, animals. And so she she works at a dairy farm, looking after all of their calves in the Owen Sound area. And uh, she has rabbits and chickens and horses. And she has an Instagram account where she shares her her life in the farm on the farm and in the country. So.
0: Oh, she's a bit of a photographer as well
3: then? She's turning out to be an excellent photographer, yes. Oh, well, that's good. And our son, Greg, he um, has is now living on the farm. So we have, our house isn't on where we have our cattle. Right. So he and his girlfriend are living on the farm there. And I think he's becoming more and more interested in farming. So he's good. a musician. So
0: Is he? Yes. Oh, I have some few of those around too. So <laughs> what does he play?
3: He uh, plays guitar and writes uh, folk songs.
0: Isn't that nice? Okay. Yeah. I, uh, well, that's always good. It's, it's that Music and farming uh, makes a nice combination. Yes. All right. Well, thanks for being here today. South Gray News is one of the 12 Chamber members that we'll be featuring on the Chamber's website this year. Ron Burnett, a producer on In Grey Highlands this week, is one of the principals of the South Gray News. And together with his wife, Barbara Parham, they bring out... Via their website, the best current affairs roundup for Grey Highlands. Go over to southgreynews.ca and subscribe to their newsletter for local news that comes right to your inbox. Yeah. So Jeff, uh, this week. Uh, oh, Jeff. By the way, he won the uh, the Grey County Reads. Uh, book Award. Fantastic. All right. Super duper. Uh, open up the wall. So he's uh, an actor slash contractor slash uh, interesting guy. So he interviewed a nice young lady in our community. Her name is uh, uh, Jes- Jessica Verner, And uh, Jessica and her husband uh, have a nice farm, uh, sorry, farm, Uh out church out in Maxwell. Yes, and you, yes. you've been there,
1: haven't yep, you? Yep. Yeah, nice, nice young couple, very nice.
0: Yeah. So Jessica is doing some renovation, and she's also a musical uh, artist as well. So I think Jeff had a great interview with her. So I'm gonna that's gonna run
1: after you know after. We talk, and uh, right. It's great to see a uh, young, 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 couple, young people investing in our community because uh, they are the next generation that's coming along. And uh, who knows? Maybe Jessica will be a politician someday. Who knows? Eh? Who knows? <laughs>
0: but she's certainly a nice young lady. Oh, and, yes, very much. So. And I think Jeff, uh, Jeff had a good uh, conversation with her. So, so Canada, Canada Reeds, that's, that's been going around no, for... Great qu- County Reeds. Oh, Gray County Reeds, because there is there is Canada Reeds also, right? Yes, there is. But Gray County Reeds, we were going to have a celebration at Gray Roots yes. in early April, but that has to be delayed now. Right. And uh, So Gray County Reeds, does that move up
1: to Canada Reeds? Oh, I see. No, I... I, I well, the I've reason been, I say that, because I know a number of years back on CBC, uh, I was doing a, a construction job back in 03, and they had... A number of books that they were, and it was back in three, So I know it's been going on for quite a long time on CBC. So we've had Great County Reads uh, for this is the third year. Third now. year,
0: okay. okay. Right. And we have five contestants, and uh, our the uh, the book "Open Up the Wall" uh, was was the winner. So Robert was representing one too, was he not? Yes, Robert was the uh, was the man that made a commentary uh, on on Jeff's book. Oh, All right, good. And, okay. Robert John Turno, our yep. great. Uh, South Gray Museum curator. Another young guy. Another young guy, who actually is a bit of a contractor at heart as well. So... He's doing some renovations at the South Gray Museum uh, right now, and uh, we look forward to having that all open up uh, when our community reopens uh, sometime. Sometime um, in the near future. Yeah, yeah, so I'm not, be yeah that's right. right. I'm not going to be specific about that. No. So another thing uh, that we had this week as well is uh, had a nice conversation uh, again with uh, South Gray uh, News um, manager and uh, And also, uh, the other manager is is his dear, beloved wife, um, Barbara Perrin, and they run that organization together. So, he's had a lot of breaking news. So, as we were chatting today, his his phone was uh, bleeping away with all the incoming information. So, Ron had a nice conversation about that uh, virus that seems to be uh, Mm -hmm. uh, on everybody's mind. uh, So...
6: So there's this church in Maxwell that's no longer a church. It's a wedding venue. And it is uh, the brainchild of Jessica Werner, who's with us here in the studio today. Hi, Jessica. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much for having me. Now, you... um, You come from Toronto, I hear, like so many of us, and um, you come up with a novel idea to uh, make yourself uh, part of the community. Can you tell me more about, uh, first of all, let's start with the wedding venue that you've got. You found this church, right?
7: Yes. My fiance and I, we got engaged June 2018, um, and we ourselves were looking for a venue. And my dad's side of the family is from Bracebridge, so... We originally were looking up in the area to see if we could find something that would be suitable for us. And then we found that it was a bit too pricey in the cottage country of Muskoka. (laughs) So um, we were looking for a house alternatively so that we could host our wedding on a piece of property and string up some lights. And I remember being at work and putting into our search engine anywhere in Ontario house. And the church popped up. And so that inspired us to think a bit bigger, because we wanted to get married there ourselves. And then we had the idea that we could convert it into a venue for other people to get married into as well so cool
6: so you just you you basically chose this area because of the church
7: yeah we were very fortunate because my fiance's parents actually have a cottage in Markdale oh nice so we didn't realize at the time when we were just looking anywhere in ontario that the church was located 20 minutes away from I the deal. cottage and Um, so we do have family in the area, which is nice, but it wasn't actually intentional. So it was more a coincidence for us.
6: It was all about the church. Yeah. (laughs) So what did you do to it? Was it in decent shape, bad shape?
7: Um, so we're still working on it actually. Um, the church itself, um, it doesn't require too much work, but there are things that we have to do to it, like put in a new floor, um, just because it is an older building. Um, and then we'd like to paint it, but essentially keep it. As close as possible to what it looked like originally, so that it Good doesn't. Good to hear. <laughs> well, it's it's a beautiful building, and most of the older historic buildings they have just the character that you can't really build. Oh, um, you're
6: absolutely right, and it is a gorgeous spot. We can uh, see it on uh, on your Facebook page.
7: Yes, we have um, we have Facebook, Instagram, um, the church itself. We're calling the Golden Legacy. Um, my dad's side of the family are Goldens.
6: Um, now, um, uh. I want to get back to like you've got your finger in so many pies, and I just touched on uh, on your uh, music. Um, has this always been in your life? Is this uh, is it? Was it a hobby, and or what? What's going on there? Because this is well produced stuff that you've got out there. Thank
7: you. Well, my grandmother, she was a Canadian gold medalist for voice and sightseeing and piano and organ playing, and so. Oh. Music was in my family and I was fortunate enough to have parents who were musical and they always had instruments around. So as a young child, I was introduced to music.
6: Very lucky, huh?
7: I I remember the first time I ever went to a friend's house and they didn't have a piano and I couldn't believe it because (laughs) (laughs) I thought everyone was musical, but it turned out not everyone pursued it. So... Um, It was always a passion, I would say, and then in my earlier life, I had a lot of affirmation. Um, Just people would tell me I had a nice voice, and so when someone tells you you're very good at something enough, usually you think, I should probably look into this, so um, a big part of why I moved to the city was so that I could pursue a career as a Mm singer-songwriter, and that led me to meet um, the producer that did the EP that I did back in 2014. And he's actually a producer for Warner Music, which I'm very proud of him because that's a big accomplishment. But Indeed. Um, yeah, he produced my EP and it was a collection of songs I'd written. I mean, I've always been writing songs. It's just a part of my life at this point. So. Ah. Um, Having somebody to be able to capture something that I thought as an idea and then produce something that actually other people can listen to is one of the most amazing feelings in the
6: world. Yes, I can only imagine. (laughs) Um,
7: So, yeah, I would say like being a recording artist was uh, my first step as a career or my start That was the, that's career. where you started, yeah, and then I did go to school to be a graphic designer, which is how I made a bit more money, which is of <laughs> <But> <laughs> course how
6: musicians sustain <laughs> yes, themselves, yeah, yeah. There's
7: the term starving artist,
6: all right. well, we've touched on a. Very briefly on uh, Jessica's exciting career as it unfolds. Uh, for more information and for more pictures for everything about Jessica, you can uh, look in our show notes. The um, the websites will come up at the end of this program. And uh, Jessica, when you finally get the joint painted and the floors in, I hope <laughs> you'll come back and uh, we can talk more about uh, your uh, your wedding facility, your music. And just what a pleasure you are to hang around with. And I hope you'll come back soon.
7: Oh, I'd love to. Thank you so much for today.
0: Today in Studio A, I've got uh, Ron Burnett with me. Uh, Ron, I really love that green shirt you have on and the uh, shamrock in your hair. So it's, you're appropriately dressed. Uh, we're certainly the right distance apart. And, uh, ah, ta-tar, ta this shirt was given to me by a good friend of mine. Hey, oh, that's true. That's Patio Warehouse. Patio Warehouse. <laughs> okay. It's my wife's birthday today as well. I thought I'd mention that. Happy birthday, Patricia. She says, thank you, Ron. <laughs> so today is uh, <clears throat> a little bit, um, perhaps you can lead in with some of your thoughts on the news of the day. Well, the news of the day has been pretty much uh, canceled.
4: And in its place, we have nothing but the coronavirus uh, or, talk, pretty, or talks about it, Or right? talks about it, yes. yes. So a lot of cancellations uh, and closures this week, and it's ongoing. I'm sure by the time this this airs, there'll be even more closures and cancellations and announcements. Every day, every hour, there's something new. So it's it's
0: been a hard uh, thing to keep up with. So I went to the pharmacy today in Flesherton, and... Uh, I went to get some uh, vitamins, uh, and uh, I had to knock on the door, and they had to interview me and ask me whether I traveled around, and then they said, uh, you can come inside, they did have this, uh, these vitamins that I wanted, and uh, so it was kind of like, it was uh, really, it was almost like passing through the border in a foreign country. It's strange, isn't it? I didn't have to
4: show my passport, but... Yeah, we're not used to this in Canada. So now we're in a state of emergency. Yeah. It was just called today by the premier, yeah, which has along with it all kinds of regulations we're now have to follow. Um, restaurants and bars are closed except those that offer takeout, and a lot of uh,
0: gatherings are uh, reduced now to fifty or less. Right. I'm su- I'm saying that some should uh, suggest ten, so we'll we'll keep it at that. It's right now, it's only the. The producer, you and I, so uh, we got three here, mm-hmm. and so we don't have a big party going on. And people are panicking out there. Which they
4: are. I wish they wouldn't. No. Um, the uh, toilet paper in the stores is pretty hard to find, as long as long with uh, uh, hand sanitizer and other canned goods and baked beans. You're right. Hard to find in the stores these days. Um, I've been watching a lot of seasons of Walking Dead and I I've, I've totally missed that episode where they they ran out of toilet paper.
0: But I guess they must have somewhere there's there's a message going out there that that's important to have. But because uh, I do buy it in bulk I'm I'm I think I've got uh, another 32 days left before I have to go and you get some. You counted it out have you? Yes, yeah. yeah, we're we're on rationed I have uh, also looked up online to,
4: to see how much toilet paper do people actually need, and did you know that the average person uses two rolls per week? So, so the, just calculate so, how so many a family are- of
0: three would use six rolls a week. Yes. Are those the large economy size? Is three apply? Uh, that would be the single roll size. So okay, yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: And if you're using more than that, you probably
0: need to see your doctor. Right? So <laughs> yes, that's true. Yeah. Well, at least uh, this virus that's going around doesn't cause diarrhea. So. Uh, that's probably something a little bit of a miscue is uh, getting out there. So, mm-hmm. however, um, you know, it's good for uh, it's good for the let's say the stores that are selling it. So, a lot of the
4: advice I'm hearing from all over the place is that uh, you know don't panic. There is lots of toilet paper. Right. Um, it might not be in the stores right now, but it will be coming. So, don't stop your hoarding. Right. Think about your neighbors. Um. And this is a worldwide phenomenon, apparently. So this is going on in everywhere they're having this crisis. Right. Uh, in Australia, in fact, in one of their cafes, Co- uh, the uh, toilet paper is, is becoming currency. So uh, there's a cafe Ooh. down there where you can actually walk in, plant your roll of toilet paper on the counter, and they'll give you coffee in return. That's interesting. Okay.
0: So that's like cigarettes in jail, right? That's right. Okay. So... yes. All right. Well, hopefully uh, we don't get to that. But a lot of our stores in, in, in our area here, um, let's say our restaurants and things and Foodland are all staying open. So I don't think uh, we'll run out of uh, places to eat, uh, but you will, will not be able to congregate. And uh, That's true. So take right. out only, which is probably a good
4: idea if you want to um, support our local businesses who are going to be finding it pretty tough over the next it few weeks and months. Um you know,
0: go to your local restaurant, get takeout support and and quite frankly if if you uh, don't need any food, uh, ask them if they're selling gift certificates because that puts cash in their in their pocket, and that's sort of like a pay it forward. Mm-hmm. I think that's important that we try and keep the economy going so i I suggest that everybody has this opportunity uh, to do something about it mm-hmm. That's if you're willing to come off your couch
4: and, and get out there. So I was in the store the other day looking for toilet paper. Of course, there was none, and that made me think, well, what alternatives could I find? So I thought about paper napkins and Kleenex, That's right. um, which are also now, I think, everybody else is cluing
0: into the fact that these things could be used as well in a pinch. However, you have also... a septic system. It's not recommended well, that no. you use heavier products like that. That's true, Yeah, Because they don't disintegrate properly, but... Anyhow, so a lot of our people do have uh, municipal sewage in Flesher and Markdale and, yes. uh, and down in Kimberley. So I asked my mother-in-law the other
4: day, who's ninety-one, right. and uh, she, uh, what did she, what did she do when she was a little girl? So she said to me, "Well, they didn't even have a washroom attached to their house. They used to have to go outside. It was an outhouse, right? It was like a hole in the ground, and
0: uh, they used to use the Eaton's catalog." Yeah. That that could work um, it, because oh, I remember some time ago that uh, that um, TP was kind of, kind of had a glossy finish on it. So yeah, yeah maybe in the
4: olden days they didn't uh, have that glossy uh, finish. Maybe it was more like the phone book. You know, it's like
0: news, yeah. newsprint. What are phone books now? Really digital. That uh, well, you and I remember them, but yeah. I do. Yes, <laughs> of course. In fact, I still have a few when when uh, I need to look up something that's not on the internet. So. Anyhow, what else have we got there today?
4: Uh, well, I've been, um, it's nothing, it's all corona all the time. Right. Um, I've uh, been looking on Facebook at some of the misinformation that's out there about the virus. And, right. And uh, there is no, no cure for it right now, although there's, there's some people who, right. who are, you know, distributing false claims that this or that will cure it or prevent the virus from, from getting you. Yes, yeah, so the case fatality rate in Canada is currently at one point one percent, which is much better than Italy's, which is seven point nine right now. And uh, a lot of that has to do with the age of the people who are getting this. In Italy, being a more, more an older demographic country, and plus their um, health system has been overly taxed
0: right. with such a large number of cases coming into the hospital. So we can be assured, Ron, that uh, South Gray News is uh, going to keep us up to date on a hourly, perhaps, uh, basis. I, I know you're getting a lot of feeds coming in from the various agencies uh, which you're sharing. We are, yes. Yeah, so we, we've, we've
4: made a dedicated page on our site uh, to just deal with the updates of, right. on closures and cancellations. And we've been updating it, um, well last 2 days we've been updating it every hour or two right with all of the new stuff
0: that keeps coming in so dr ian Eyre is sending out uh, things from our public health department he is Graeber's yes public health
4: right. yes yes always update think practically daily there are updates from our public health unit right so they're on top of things and yeah
0: uh, yep, uh, and they're always updating the numbers so a lot of people in, in Grey Highlands uh, don't have necessarily have doctors. They have the community health clinic. But there's also uh, all over the place is telehealth. So I think telehealth provides uh, services uh, to people, let's say, on- online or, or over the phone. So I think that that may be something. If, you're, if your temperature is rising, contact telehealth. Well, I see a resurgence of board games, right? Yes. Uh, so anyhow, I'll um, let's break out the monopoly. Break out the monopoly, yes.
4: Drink some wine. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Ron, for joining me in Studio A today. Thank you, Stuart. And I uh, hope we have some better things to talk about the next time. Thanks a
1: lot. So you know what? you got to make the best of it. They are. And, and, that, and that's something that we as Canadians, I think, uh, you know what? Uh, you just have to do, and you got to keep the lighter side of it, uh, because uh, we can't let this uh, beat us, stir it, and uh, it won't beat us. And uh, but anyway, we we got to keep that uh, like little bit of a, so, uh, well, I guess they call it a little bit of the humor side of things in life, and we got to keep to that.
0: I think so. That's a uh, sort of. Maybe the British humor has come over to Canada a bit, so we've in, well, it keeps in that spite of everything. Too, right? Yes, that, right. We
1: got to keep our we got to keep our sanity, right, on these trying times, and that's important. And uh, it's
0: important every every day that you don't just sit in your house; that you get oh. out and walk around. Okay,
1: so well, I think over in Italy, are they not every morning they get out in their balcony and they sing and they right. they go in choir or they go in sequence or whatever you want to say and. Right. Uh, they, uh, they, you well, know, Markdale's Mark setting the trend then by drinking, yeah, yeah, drinking was, wine at the end of the driveway. It was, right? yeah, I would say, an alcohol maybe, or it was a beverage. I'll leave it at that. And uh, certainly, I, it, it was a beverage. Yeah, yeah. and it was sitting on there, and uh, certainly on their lawn chair, and uh, they call it social distancing. Okay. Well, the LCBO and the beer store is still open. That's right. Well, that's essential services for some, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> part of that cheer part. Right? They may be using some Irish whiskey over there. there. I see that Mr. Riley over there looking smiling through the glass there. <laughs> so that's a bit of a wrap on uh, on that's this great.
0: this episode. Uh, we've uh, this is episode
1: 10. Yeah, I missed out on. I uh, uh, was on and I think on episode nine. And yeah, uh, we had Barry in. Yeah, and, so that was good. And thanks, Penhill. thanks for Barry for taking taking over that part. I know it's been a busy time. I just think that we have to have to stay together, work together, wash our hands, and uh, be be good citizens. Keep our distance apart, and and uh, uh, maybe we won't shake hands to, to January first, two thousand and twenty one. I hope not, but anyhow, <laughs> all the best to you. Well, you know what they did? is a salute. That's what you can do. You do the salute. Okay. And that's how they did it back in the Spanish uh, flu time. And, uh, Over and out to you. Signing off, and uh, keep an eye out for those Robins.
2: You've been listening to the long-delayed, COVID-affected episode 10 of In Grey Highlands this week. Netcast for the week ending 23 August 2020, a current affairs podcast for and about the municipality of Grey Highlands in Ontario, Canada. Our hosts are Stuart Halliday and Paul McQueen. Our contributing editors are Jeff Bowes and Ron Barnett of the South Grey News. We hope you enjoyed this episode and we look forward to you favouring us with a response by email at feedback at ingreyhighlandsthisweek.ca. Our thanks to our guests, Laurie Smith of Gray Agricultural Services in Markdale, Dale Merrifield of Merrifield Farms in Eugenia, and Jessica Verner of The Golden Legacy in Maxwell. Our scores are skillfully composed and generously provided by Al Halliday of Arkham Dispatch and Kevin MacLeod of Incompetech.com. The show is produced by Tim Riley with David Tonks at Leaking Ambient Studio in Flesherton. In Grey Highlands this week is produced in association with the Grey Highlands Chamber of Commerce and is copyright under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. If I had to leave this world.